Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, Amir, with my great co-host, the one and only Jordan Lopez. And we have uh, a very special guest today. We are joined by an incredible podcaster for Mile High Sports. She's the host of the Let's Talk Broncos podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Bree Maestas. Bree, it is great to have you on the show. Uh, long uh, overdue. Uh, I know we've been talking a little bit for the last few weeks of having you on the show. And we finally got you on today on this uh, Mother's Day evening. But Bree, how are you doing? It's great to have you on today. Well, you know, got to celebrate Mother's Day with my mom. So happy Mother's Day, mom. Also didn't have to take care of the children, Zach Seegers and Joey Richards. So I was free tonight to be able to jump <laughs> on the show. So I'm very happy about it. Oh, that's amazing. We're going to we're going to definitely have to get the reaction to that clip. But um, yeah, it's great to have you on the show uh, today. Like I said, uh, you know, long overdue, it's, you know, here to talk some Broncos. Um, obviously, you guys do that a great job over there. Big fan of what you do. All three of you on the podcast, each and every single one of you. The whole bond chemistry is amazing over there. We can only, uh, you know, um, try to replicate any of the success that you guys have had. But um, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into everything from you guys. Uh, obviously, you can tell from the uh, title of Today's episode, we're going over the Denver Broncos' biggest wins and losses of the offseason um, so far. So obviously, this one can kind of, we were talking a little bit before the show, this one we can kind of consider like maybe you thought Draymond Jones is a big loss or just any of the moves that the team necessarily may have missed out on. We're going to count that as a loss, not necessarily just players that the team have lost, uh, just to clear that up for anybody um, watching the show. And then we'll go over the the wins at, at the end, save kind of best for last. Um but before we jump into uh, all of that first, um, we just wanted to talk quickly, uh, you know, obviously uh, NBA playoffs. I know the three of us have been paying attention to that a little bit. Just, you know, a fun way to start off the show. Uh, Jordan, you're a big Celtics fan. What a huge dub today. Absolutely poured it on a Joel Embiid, sent him uh, packing and straight to Cancun. Um, great, uh, great game to watch today. They just could not miss in that second half. Great game. But obviously, Bree, uh, me and you, huge Denver Nuggets fans. What a way to end the series. Super... That, that was one of the best games I've watched in recent memory as a, as a Nuggets fan. It just keeps getting better. You don't know what to expect at this point other than Nicole Jokic just being absolutely dominant. Finally, there's no excuses here for the Denver Nuggets as they continue just a, a really dominant display. Got a little nervous watching that Celtics 76ers game, though. Tatum <laughs> is not somebody to mess around with. I was yeah. absolutely blown away by that game. And also, pity for the MVP, right? Absolutely, yeah. Jordan, how are you feeling about your Celtics? Good. I mean, I'm just happy we got uh, Joel Embiid out of there. I mean, I, I didn't have him as the MVP. I thought Jokic was the MVP, so I'm glad, you know, we got that, that MVP out of the way. So we got a real series now with the Heat, so home here in my hometown. So it'll be fun. Yeah, that, that'll definitely be an incredible series, obviously, the rematch. And then all four of these teams are the same teams from three years ago in the bubble or, uh, you know, back in the finals or uh, conference finals, at least. So going to be uh, interesting, you know, uh, two games or two series here. This could potentially both of them could go to seven games. And these two teams right here, Celtics and Nuggets, could very well be uh, the finals um, come, you know, a few weeks. So really excited for that, um, especially for all the Nuggets fans listening uh, to the podcast. So it should be a really good series between Jokic and LeBron. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into Broncos. Um, so starting off with kind of the negatives of things, um, 
we're going to start off with the losses for the Denver Broncos this offseason. So far, at least the uh, free agency is wrapped up. You know, essentially the draft is over. Uh, rookie minicamp actually ended today as we rec- are recording this. Uh, we saw some, you know, standouts in camp. Um, ben DiNucci, the quarterback, uh, you know, for the Seattle uh, Sea Dragons in the XFL, is actually signing a contract with the Denver Broncos, which we'll get to uh, later in the episode. But, you know, wrapping up minicamp. Uh, the Broncos offseason in terms of, you know, uh, George Payton and uh, the front office of how they're operating the offseason. It seems like their their end of the uh, of work has been done, uh, at least of now, uh, you know, as the OTAs approaches in a few weeks. So the biggest losses of the offseason starting off, I got to say the biggest loss, in my opinion, losing zero Evero to the Carolina Panthers. Um, obviously, Vance Joseph, the new defensive coordinator coming over from the Arizona Cardinals, in my opinion, a significant downgrade. I know a lot of Broncos country would agree with that. Um, obviously coming back after being the head coach of the Broncos. I don't judge him too much for that. And with the candidates that were available, this was kind of my pick just because there wasn't too many appealing options out there. But, you know, starting off with my biggest losses of the offseason, this honestly, in my opinion, might be the biggest uh, you know, loss of the Broncos in this offseason. What do you guys uh, think about that? I mean, I agree. Uh, I mean, always losing, you know, one of the top defensive minds in, in the league always hurts. Uh, hopefully Vance Joseph can bring, you know, a little bit of what he brought, you know, in terms of success and stuff. But yeah, I mean, Evero, you know, not being a Denver no more for sure, you know, hurts. I, I absolutely, absolutely think that it hurts because what I thought he would do is step in as a head coach at some point. So the Broncos yeah. were probably going to lose him at any rate. What was frustrating to me is you lose the continuity that you have with the entire defense. So you're already kind of forecasting the 2023 Denver Broncos defense to take a step back. Now you're bringing in Vance Joseph. Feels like five years is, hasn't been long enough for that sort of separation. But now he's coming in a little bit of a different role. And you're hoping to kind of maintain some of the semblance that you saw in 2022 so this Denver Broncos defense doesn't look like complete shambles not saying it will but coach Evero meant so much to the team to the players um, to everyone involved that losing him kind of breaks up this sense of having a lot of stake in this Denver Broncos defense they started off really hot in 2022 you saw them kind of cool down a little bit fall into that top 15 range instead of instead of top 10 top 5 range so what I'm hoping is that it's not the case that that happens you obviously retain Christian Parker the defensive backs coach, which will help with some of those parallels. The Broncos Mm -hmm. will be running a similar scheme as they did last season. So I'm hoping that it's not that big of a hole. Just seems silly to lose such a high caliber coach. Um, But I think Vance Joseph isn't necessarily the wrong direction. It was just a, it was a strange one, I guess. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And you talk about um, some people are saying on Twitter that we kind of have to do, uh, you know, in terms of the scheme, there is continuity there. And you obviously you mentioned retaining Christian Parks and Marcus Dixon are huge for the defense, especially for a lot of the players that are still there. And, um, you know, Making that a joint effort with uh, Vance Joseph is going to be huge for the defensive staff, and I do have to agree with you there. Um, just as a as a fan of this team, and obviously the players themselves getting to talk to them, um, you'll hear a lot about you know just having a riser in the NFL like Avera was so huge for the team. Someone who, in my opinion, is one of the best defensive minds and young defensive minds in the entire NFL to have someone like him just just for that one year and then to move on from him. That, that really sucked, and he, essentially it was kind of like his decision there. But, yeah, just a huge loss all around for the Broncos, in my opinion. What he did from an X's and O's standpoint, and both from a leadership standpoint as well, is going to be something that's greatly missed from the team. We'll see what uh, Vance Joseph can step in and do, though. I would not sleep on him necessarily. And obviously the experience is uh, much more great to uh, what Avera brings, in my opinion. <laughs> 
do you have any concerns? Sorry, I'm turning into interviewer mode, but do you have any concerns <laughs> about maybe being used as a scapegoat as we go into 2023? If there's just any sort of misstep there with the defense? So go that is, that's a really, really, really good point. Cause it feels like it's kind of like a, I wouldn't compare it to like a bridge quarterback type of thing, but like, it feels like one of those things where like you hire Sean Payton, I want to say like really late, but you kind of hired him and then you put the staff together a little bit later than you would have liked. And it was kind of like, all right, there's not many options there in the DC pool and you kind of just got Vance Joseph. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was that simple. Um, I think they definitely went through a process there, but towards the end, it was like Rex Ryan and Vance Joseph were your narrow down candidates and Nick Rouse is in the mix too. That not a very uh, appealing, you know, candidate pool to have there, especially with the all-star, you know, coach and like Sean Payton. And I was watching your guys' podcast as well. I know Zach Sears was talking about the fact that you got Sean Payton and then the staff that you built around him. There's like, it's kind of like an all-star team where you have like Nicole Jokic and Jason Tatum. And then the rest are just kind of like Ben Simmons and these other guys. Like, I'm not saying that some of these coaches are that bad, but like Vance Joseph, not the best uh, stretch of, you know, uh, performance and coaching the last few years. But I, like I said, I'm not going to sleep on the guy. He has an insane talent on this defense. So that's what makes me more, um, you know, happy about this. And the fact that he's continuing this three, four defense and the fact that Marcus Dixon and Christian Parker are going to be alongside him. Um, and then just overall, I know Sean Payne isn't a defensive guy, but he does tend to get a lot of out of his, out of his coaching staff and uh, rally them around him, you know, in the pursuit of a championship. So, uh, but that is a fantastic point that you bring up, sir. I kind of just agree with that. And I think one thing that we should know is that, you know, Sean Payton is a true head coach. It's not like a first time head coach like Nathaniel Hackett, who will always be like focusing on the offense, having nothing to do with special teams or the defense. Sean Payton is going to be hands on with every single unit. So I think there's not too much to worry about. But again, losing Everett, like to your point, Amir, you know, it is a big loss. Um, so obviously, Jordan, lots of uh, losses for the Broncos, both from the, you know, the coaching staff and the roster. What would you say is the, like one of the biggest losses, aside from Evero, uh, in your mind, uh, this offseason? I'm going to go with a fun one. I'm going to go with a fun one. I, I know the Broncos could have made you know, a couple of moves in the offseason, and I think one that we really missed on and I would consider a loss would be acquiring wide receiver Adam Thielen. I think acquiring him would have helped our offense. I just think he's like a Sean Payne type player. I know I know Denver was in the season uh, sweepstakes. You know, he said on yeah. the Pat McAfee show saying that the Broncos were one of the teams that were really heavily pushing him to go. And uh, I just think getting him, just a, a Sean Payne type of guy, you know, a really reliable wide receiver. I think he would have meshed really well with Jerry Judy and fit really well with like a Sean Payne type offense with Russell Wilson. So I just, it, it really hurt when he went to Carolina. But man, having someone like Adam Thielen would have really, really helped this offense. I like that it's almost a fantasy pick, but also would have fit in really well with Sean Payton and the scheme and what they're looking to do offensively. I just think that's a pretty, it's a pricey price tag there for yeah. uh, Adam Thielen. So I, I understand why they didn't go in that direction, but it would have been really fun to see them add a key component there. Obviously, with all the talk of trading Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, why not? Why not make a big sweeping move when you're talking about getting rid of arguably one of your biggest contracts and one of your biggest stars. So they would have had to replace that sort of star power with somebody like Thielen. It's interesting. They didn't go in that direction. Kind of glad they didn't. I don't want to see too much of a shakeup there on the offense, just because the direction that they're going in really doesn't touch on those key pieces that are already in production. Um, but I don't hate it. I never would have thought about it, Jordan. So thank you. 
Yeah, it, yeah, it was very apparent that they were looking to add a wide receiver through free agency. We saw with Alan Lazard as well. It was almost like they wanted to get one of their guys in the wide receiver market and then use that top draft pick or you know potentially trade up for someone else rather than it, it being Marvin Mims later on and you address a different position. Um, that that would have easily you know sh- uh, shooken up the entire draft for the Broncos considering their first pick was wide receiver. So um, Jordan does bring up a good point there. I know uh, some Broncos fans really wanted Adam Thielen, especially after he was released there in Minnesota, is now with uh, Bryce Young in Carolina. So, Bree, what would you say is uh, one of your biggest losses, in your uh, opinion, from the Denver Broncos this offseason? Gosh, I think it has to be that the Broncos didn't make any attempt whatsoever in shoring up the defensive line because apparently the Broncos are a lot more confident uh, than I am. The depth is a little bit shaky. I think it looked okay going into the draft outside, obviously needing a replacement for Deshaun Williams and then getting Zach Allen uh, to replace Draymond Jones. And I just threw up the bunny ears there because the team needed to address the defensive line. And there were a couple of really tough departures. I feel a lot less worried about the O-line than I do the D-line now because I wish there was a little bit more uh, help for guys like DJ Jones and Matt Henningsen. So there's now a little bit of a two green of defensive line for me now, and I think that really concerns me. I think it's really obvious too, so I'm not going to try to stake claim and being like, oh, this is a really big L. It is, and I think it needs to be addressed in a way because what you're going to end up doing is you're going to start to have to lean on Henningsen, Awazirike, and it's just going to get really dicey, and I, w- I don't want that to be the main takeaway from the 2023 season because we could be headed in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about, and the biggest thing to me was like you lost your two best defensive ends in Draymond Jones and Deshaun Williams in the same offseason. And all you really did was pick up Zach Allen, who the production was a little bit around the same as Draymond Jones, if not better in some areas. But like he had one good season, isn't as versatile as Draymond Jones. Um, isn't as dominant in my opinion, isn't as just simply as good. I do think if you could have got a defensive end to, um, I know he isn't necessarily just replacing what Draymond uh, Jones did for the Broncos, you know, considering he was off the edge and in the interior, but the replacement essentially that you got Zach Allen, I don't think you could have did much better than that given what was out there. But at the same time, you also lost to Sean Williams and now your starter is, uh, Matt Henningsen, who's, a, I believe, a six-round pick last year. Like, he's he's a good football player. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I brought this up on your guys' show. I was I was genuinely shocked to find out that day, that day as of now, Matt Henningsen is actually going to be our starter next year in uh, Vance Joseph's 3-4 uh, defensive line. So, um, definitely uh, interesting there how they've just addressed the defensive line in general. Yeah, and I'm fingers crossed for a very healthy year for Denver, but we are one injury away from a very, very big hole becoming the massive storyline, like how Bree said. I mean, the depth that we don't have in the D-line is very, you know, scary. And again, I'm very, I'm wishing for a very healthy season, but I hope something gets figured out sooner rather than later. That's what you don't want. You don't want the Denver Broncos repeating those storylines of injuries were the concern. It was the concern on the offensive line last year. You could possibly see it here. It just feels like being on the cusp of contention for the Broncos. I think it's just a worry that it's going to suffer from this oversight because there's a good chance come the end of the season, we're kind of all left scratching our heads that there wasn't uh, more done to bolster that line. I want the dark side defense to remain, but I think it's going to be in an entirely different uh, connotation if this goes south and just at the end of the day 
what exactly can you do when you don't have depth on the line? You, you're not replacing, you're not switching guys out as much as you would on the offensive line. And then if you're hoping your second year uh, individuals, uh, Henningsen, Awazu, Rick, are able to kind of step up, you're banking on that. That to me just seems like a really uh, strong assumption that has really bad, uh, far reaching determinations. Yeah. And I think we can all agree that in football, it all starts in the trenches, defensive line, offensive line. I think Sean Payne did a good job of ensuring that there's a better starting five on the offensive line. Defensive line, it definitely feels like it took a little bit of a step back. And just injuries in general, you don't really know how that's going to go with Randy Gregory. Zach Allen, you don't even know how that's going to go with injuries. He had, he has had you know, issues in that department. So um, overall, I thought, I thought that would be something he focused big time on, but I, th I guess he's, uh, you know, banking more on finding gold from the, this undrafted free agent class, especially uh defensive lineman, PJ Musfer, who seemed to really impress these uh, last few days. I would highly expect him to make the 53 man roster, but just overall, I think it's really concerning how they're banking so much on depending on sixth round picks, seventh round picks, undrafted free agents to be these key, you know, depth pieces in the second and third team when really all the contenders in the NFL, all, all these guys are not these undrafted, you know, free agents uh, or former undrafted free agents. So um, definitely interesting approach uh, from Sean Payton in his uh, first year as a head coach. But given the limited draft capital, it kind of makes sense. I just would like to see more moves made in free agency, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to go go ahead and uh, give one of my losses as well. I believe going to the offensive line uh, side of the ball, like I just mentioned, I think one of the biggest losses that um, of this offseason the Broncos are actually going to regret, and I've made this point many times on the podcast, and people really disagree with me. Uh, we had our, first, our episode of the same day we made the signing. Uh, I believe signing Mike McGlinchey for the five years, $87.5 million dollars, is a big mistake rather than signing Kayla McGarry, who was later re-signed uh, with Atlanta um, for the three years, $34.5 million. Let me know what you guys think about this. I feel like the Broncos missed out on a lot of value and cap savings here, and they could have delegated that uh, cap space elsewhere where it's needed, like these depth holes that we're talking about right now. Yeah, and I, and I know you were a big Caleb McGarry guy, so was I. I mean, <laughs> I was very, very mad when we did not sign him. But, yeah, I mean, that contract is not looking good. And the only thing that can really offset that is if McGlinchey has literally a career year for Denver. And I'm um, just to be hoping, like top five. Yeah, and I ho I'm hoping that Peyton and now offensive line staff can get that going. But I I I'm going to have to agree with you. If I would have to pick another loss, it would be that contract because right, that contract is not looking good. <laughs> Wow, I didn't know you guys were both so low on McGlinchey. A big, <laughs> tall, athletic, versatile. He can play three different positions if you really needed him to. It's just interesting uh, that the concern remains of how much these assets actually cost in the long term. Zach Seegers talks about it all the time. Positional value and what you're doing in the meantime as you're trying to dig yourself out of the hole that you made for yourself. At this point, the Broncos are staring at a tough, tough task here. And you're right. If he isn't performing as a top five, what do you do and how do you justify that kind of contract? Did it reset the market to you or do you think the Broncos kind of got caught with no other answer than to make a deal like that? I just feel like they did a much better job in the draft chasing the I don't think they chased any value, but they kind of sat back and watched the value fall to them in certain spots. Um, they just overall value did really well. Even though they traded up twice, they still got really good value in the draft. Free agency, though, I just can't say the same. I mean, Ben Ben Powers, one of my favorite, you know, free agents uh in the entire class this year. Absolute home run. I think it was like the first signing in all of free agency. So you had to go and chase and make that that deal. Um, Mike McGlinchey, there was I don't think 
you know, looking at reports, there wasn't like a ton of suitors for him. Um, and just the contract overall, I'm not too on board with it, but I can see given the way that the market's kind of shaping up. I mean, you saw Jawan Taylor get four years, 80 million, like later in free agency. So it, it does make sense, you know, especially at that right tackle spot. So, um, you know, right tackles are highly valued in the NFL and we definitely needed one. I don't get me wrong. I love, and I always say this and, you know, Jordan Mackey, we always debate about this. The fact that we upgraded it, at right tackle just makes me really happy, but it's the fact that we overpaid, in my opinion, Mike McGlinchey rather than giving Kayla McGarry who resigned much later and maybe he got a home discount, who knows, but you definitely would have still saved a bunch of money by getting him. In my opinion, I will still say, I think he's a better uh, pass protector than Mike McGlinchey is. Yeah. I would have the same thoughts with you, Amir. I mean, I just thought we could have gone like McGarry, you know, for a little bit cheaper, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm, I liked when we signed McGlinchey, but when that number came out, you know, I was a little, like, skeptical about it. But, hey, as long as it's an upgrade, I'm fine with it. And I'm, and I'm actually expecting big things out of McGlinchey. I think, you know, hearing all the hate that he's gotten, especially in San Francisco, that they didn't even try to resign him, I think that he has going to have a chip on his shoulder and he's going to play better. That's really interesting. I'm also interested, Amir, that you didn't choose uh, the center position as your loss for not doing a better job at addressing that position because at the end of the day, it's a unit. So a lot of those guys are affecting yeah. other each other's assignments. You guys know that very well. As we talked about trenches earlier, I was kind of more upset about the center not being addressed. I have nothing against Cushenberry. I hope he improves with the chess pieces around him because I think that's honestly what was missing from there. But I'll keep an eye on McGlinchey. I'll be rooting for him so you're not upset about that price tag. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'm a little too uh, harsh on him. Um, he literally followed me on Instagram, and I'm still hammering him like this. So, uh, I, hey, the listeners, you guys know on the podcast, like I'm going to be as honest as possible. And I still, I still, I'm not a huge fan of the signing. Mike McGlinchey, the person, seems like a great guy. Don't get me wrong, but, um, but you do bring up a good point. And me and Jordan have talked about this multiple times. Lloyd Cushenberry just simply was not good last year. And it just seems like his play doesn't get much better at all. Um, I would assume with uh, Zach Streif and Sean Payton, his play could only get better. And especially with uh, some really, you know, key pieces aside, you know, to the sides of him is you have uh, Ben Powers, who you mentioned, and then obviously Mike McGlinchey, a great run blocker. I'm not going to discredit that from him at all. Um, and he's, he's still a really good player. I mean, but at the, you know, at the same time you do, yeah, center and, uh, tackle depth that was a huge thing like tackle depth you really you lost calvin anderson you just didn't do anything to replace those guys um also something i brought up in your guys' show christian delaro and isaiah prince are currently our backup tackles and i don't think many of the listeners right now even know who those guys are so um they don't have much experience in the NFL. The only experience that Isaiah Prince really has was starting in that 2021 uh, postseason run with Cincinnati. And he was frankly, quite frankly, getting um, Joe Burrow killed out there and he wasn't playing his best football, certainly. And um, I, they just didn't find a guy who can swing left to right. Like Calvin Anderson did. And Calvin Anderson, telling you he's gonna he's gonna show everybody who he is in new england he's a, a very uh, undervalued piece in my opinion on the offensive line and they just didn't really seem to find much of a, a replacement there i will say though on more of a positive side undrafted free agent uh, right tackle Al, alex palcheski i've actually had the chance to speak with him as well um he is like I would not be surprised, and I'll call my shot at it right now. I think he's the one of the next guys like out of the out of this class to make the fifty three man roster. He has the versatility. He can play guard. He mainly played right tackle at Illinois. 
not much injury concerns. Um, just overall, the versatility only not allowing a single sack last season as the team's captain. Um, he also got the biggest signing bonus out of all of our undrafted free agents. So I think this is kind of a clear indication that Sean Payton has plans for him in the future as a, a good depth piece, but you know, behind Mike McGlinchey and potentially swinging uh, to left if they want to, you know, coach him to that ability. But yeah, Alex Palczewski, one of my favorite uh, undrafted free agents by far. And this is someone that could definitely, uh, you know, more on the positive side, make fans feel uh, more happy about the uh, the fact that we haven't addressed that offensive line depth. I really just enjoy how many flex pieces the Broncos tend to uh, gear themselves for. Uh, Alex Forsyth, obviously being one of those, not going to have to pigeonhole him there into center. I don't want to see a recap of what we saw last season with Henningsen having to step up as the starting center or uh, Quinn Miners having to carry the burden of the entire line for the season. But it'd be nice to get to see these rookies cut their teeth, get a little bit better and establish themselves on the line so that in two to three years, this isn't an issue moving forward. I still don't think... I think they've entirely figured it out, though, with the loss of Dalton Reisner, uh, the uncertainty of Garrett Bowles. There's just a couple of uh, scary things on the offensive line that I think that a lot of time will let it play out. The uncertainty with Garrett Bowles, where you just brought up, is very, very interesting because if he is not the same with his injury coming back, I mean, that becomes a massive problem, that offensive line. So that's a very good point. Um, so I want to go ahead and give uh, my last loss, a uh, big loss of the Broncos offseason. Um, one that I think they definitely took an L in that column is they they lost uh, Mike Boone at running back three, which I don't have a big problem with at all. I think he's definitely is a good running back. Um, I believe he signed with uh, the he signed with the New York Jets, right? I think he went uh, and re- reunited with Hackett. Could be completely wrong here, but um, I, I believe he did sign somewhere. Um, the Broncos. Running back three, they didn't draft any replacements, which I kind of had a problem with. Um, what do you guys think about the fact that Sean Payton wants to be such a run-heavy team, but behind Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan, there is literally like nobody right now. You you have like Tony Jones Jr. has the most experience out of all those guys, and then you have a bunch of undrafted free agents and uh, veterans that have only had a few snaps in the NFL. Um, today, you know, the XFL running back uh, Jaquez Patrick. Uh, they signed him after a good uh, tryout in rookie minicamp, but still the guy with not a lot of experience. What do you guys think about, uh, you know, in that, in that running back depth, what do you guys think overall uh, after losing Mike, Mike Boone, how that stands? I mean, I'll, I'll kind of say like, I, I'll also tie in my loss with this one. I think also with that running back group, losing someone like a Latavius Murray or Chase Edmonds, who you think Sean Payne might have, you know, great success with, especially with Chase Edmonds. Edmonds and how versatile he is and already with the continuity he has with Tavis Murray. I mean, the depth there is not looking good, but as Sean Payne loves his running backs, I, I know he has a plan for it. So I'm just waiting to see what that plan is, but it is as of right now, a, a big concern. It was a big loss, right? And I, I just looked it up. Houston Texans is where he went. That is okay. not what I would have guessed whatsoever. So good on him. Uh, fair travels. What I thought was interesting, they didn't make a move for Latavius Murray, right? Obviously, yeah. running back room is not short up whatsoever. The good news is, and I'll tie it into one of my wins, is Javante Williams looks like he'll be on track. And you got the little tracker down here letting us know that he's on track to be ready for training camp uh, prior to this season, which is absolutely insane when you consider surgery 
surgery for that ACL, PCL, and all of the CLs happened just nine and a half months ago. I know Adrian Peterson did it in eight months. This is still very shocking to me. Now, whether or not he's 100% leaves me wondering if the running back wasn't something that Sean and George Payton should have addressed in the draft. I think there's I think there's a lot of optimism here, but as a team for the Denver Broncos wanting to be run early, run fast, I just think they really should have addressed something further than just P Ryan, which I think he's a great signing dynamic running back um, should be really serviceable in place of Javante Williams. But now looks like he'll be a a tandem piece, really big, solid athleticism. Uh, I just, I just don't know what the commitment here is because as long as Russell Wilson continues to struggle, the commitment will have to be the run. It's going to have to be exactly what they do. They didn't bring in two big blocking tight ends in man hurts and Troutman for nothing. They didn't, go and move in the way of a fullback to just keep away from the run. So my, my big question mark surrounding this is, is what's the other running back piece? Because you know, there's going to come a time, especially with injuries, injury concerns are going to be the topmost mind for me. And I know they have to be for the organization. What's the third piece. You I know there are a dime a dozen. I know you can pick up some cheap talent, but it seems a little faulty not to plan on that this early in the season, especially because you don't know if Javante Williams is going to be 75% 90% of what he was because I am very hesitant in leaning on 100% Javante Williams coming back because the way he moves was not meant for anyone with bending knees. So now I'm just a little bit worried he won't be all there, but time will tell. I'll I'll, I'll calm down a little bit there, but it's a great tie-in with uh, Jordan's point for me. Yeah, that's a good point. Obviously, for those of you guys that don't know, Latavius Murray did uh, sign with the Buffalo Bills on a one-year deal. Great get for them. Uh, the Broncos lose a player who came in after that, you know, came in for that London game and afterwards and just played his tail off. Uh, Broncos didn't find much of anything in the run game last year, um, but Latavius Murray did give them some life in that department. And um, to lose a, a guy like that and to only sign Samaje Pirine and lose Mike Boone at the same time, it feels like I wouldn't say it's a downgrade because, like, Melvin Gordon fumbling every two snaps uh, is definitely um, losing him is definitely an upgrade. But um, at the same time, um, you know, it does. That definitely is a bit of a loss. And I was like one of those big guys. And, you know, me and Joey were saying this, like we really want to draft a running back, you know, even with just the five picks that felt that felt like with the way your offense is going, the identity that you're adapting, that would have been huge um, to, you know, get a young guy. And this running back class was really was not that bad. I felt like it was um, kind of like a, a strong suit in the draft, in my opinion. But um, the Broncos uh, seemingly just go with two undrafted free agents and call it that. Maybe they do have a move up their sleeve coming soon. Who knows? Um, it seems like they they do, um, but you know, like you mentioned, they're, they're kind of, they may be kind of at fault for not addressing this uh, earlier than we kind of expected. But uh, certainly, in my opinion, as it stands now, that is definitely a huge loss for the Broncos, considering the way they're going offensively. Um, any other losses that we have for the Broncos um, this uh, up to this point in the offseason? I, I think, want to get yeah, to the think... fun stuff. I want to talk about the like what they did right. What did we walk away from here? Because as a Broncos fan, it's been seven years of losses. I'm over it. <laughs> eight, yeah, eight years since you made the playoffs. <laughs> all the fans right now are probably thinking, yeah, we're probably going to have a below 500 record after hearing all these losses the Broncos had this offseason. But no, uh, going into the more positive side of things, the Broncos did, in my opinion, they did a lot more right than wrong this year. So that, that probably reassures a lot of the fans listening here. Um, 
starting with the biggest win of the offseason. I think every Broncos fan in the world, wherever you are, have to agree with this. It's simply just trading for Sean Payton. Even though you gave up a first, it was essentially like you just traded Bradley Chubb and you swapped the second and third round picks to get one of the best head coaches of all time, one of the best offensive player play callers and proven play callers we have seen on the offensive side of the ball i'm just really you know excited to see what he can bring in his first year obviously having the year off from the new orleans saints um he's rejuvenated we've seen uh, dan campbell kind of talk about how he's really uh you know pumped up to get back into coaching um i thought he had a really good draft with george payton um he's taking on more of that kind of um not to say that he wasn't in new orleans but taking on more of that front office personnel type of role i feel like he had a huge impact on the roster decision and especially, obviously, the coaching staff, considering those are his decisions. Um, I love what Sean Payne has done so far, and I can hold, you know, only think that everything's going to get you know, uh, better from here on out, especially with him narrowed down the roster coming up with uh, training camp. Yeah, it's for sure the biggest win of the offseason. And, you know, and I mean this respectfully, to actually have a true head coach now in our organization, it's, it's, it's huge. You know, someone like Vic Fangio, he only focused on the defensive side of the ball, wasn't really that much into the offense besides picking Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke and stuff like that. And then Nathaniel Hackett was only focusing on the offense and stuff like that. I mean, like with Sean Payne, he's going to be everywhere, special teams, defense, offense, every every single unit. And I kind of alluded that alluded to that before. But, yeah, just having a true head coach and a coach that knows how to win, more importantly, is is very, very big. I love how you snuck in that respectfully, Jordan, because I think all respect due for Sean Payton. I'm walking around a little bit like a kicked puppy, though. I'm worried about what I've seen in the past coming forward. You're just assuming that a new coach, a new quarterback somehow means wins. But the majority of Broncos country seems to be really happy about the hiring of uh, Sean Payton, even if it cost them a first round pick. But I think decades of experience and being the adult in the room, again, quotation marks, because we throw that word around a lot. But what I think stands out about Peyton, we've talked about this since the hiring, but he's not afraid to establish a culture and identity for this Denver Broncos team. I think it's an extreme contrast to the previous regime and what was going on last year, which honestly, at the end of the day, it's a sight for sore eyes because the last guy that was running the ship almost sunk it. So I think the move offered a lot of skepticism because there is a longstanding understanding of what uh, Sean Payton has done in the past, what to expect from him. And kind of the going gets tough, which I assume it might a little bit with Russell Wilson. How will he overcome that adversity? Because if you want to coach in the NFL, that's great. I'm, I wasn't as high up on Sean Payton as everyone else. I'm still really salty that the Denver Broncos didn't go with D'Amico Ryans, but I think how 2023 plays out will be in stark contrast to 2022. I hope there is general overall improvement. And that includes time management that includes weird uh breakdowns about russell wilson's office and it kind of goes in play with the idea that this media blackout probably isn't the worst thing to happen with the broncos being in clear national headlines for a year for all the wrong reasons was a true uh, detriment to this organization and i think what i'd like to see is, is so far is that sean payton just wants them to go to work that has been the most significant upgrade here for the denver broncos and i know it's not all football but what it is is it's getting this team this this long-standing organization back on track so they can start putting wins in that column because if you're not why are you even here so that is my number one i will put it in a win i don't know how i necessarily feel about it but if change happens then it was for the right reason 
Yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing that stood out to me, what you're bringing up in your point, I thought is really good is the fact that he's bringing this authority is what we need right now for the team. Nathaniel Hackett simply did not bring that last year. It was more of like, give me hugs and kisses. I'm going to be that guy on the side. I want to be that guy in the sideline. We're going to chuck up 50 yard balls. We're going to score all these points. There is nothing, you know, really in fact to convince the fans and all of us kind of fell for it quite frankly but at the same time like there was you know looking back on it in hindsight there was nothing really there that showed us Nathaniel Hackett was really set up to be a head coach at all in the NFL and then also you know be a good fit for Russell Wilson but looking at it you know X's and O's now what we've seen from all of Sean Payton so far how he's constructing this offense and building the roster and kind of you know building a new identity it fits exactly what we want to see from russell wilson what we want to see him get back to how he you know um uh, flourished in seattle so uh definitely a good signs for our broncos country and sean Payne. you know to not only be here in the russell wilson era but also the post russell wilson era it's like every time we have a head coach we're kind of just pairing them with the quarterbacks and depending on how the quarterback does that's kind of what we're going to see happen with uh you know the head coach especially the offense how that plays out so um sean Payne, i'm really excited to see what he can do here um I, I was kind of with you on the whole D'Amico Ryan things. Um, I, you know, looking on it now, obviously during the process, that was my guy. Like Sean Payton was my guy, but D'Amico Ryan's um, someone who I definitely think has a lot of potential as well. So I don't think that's a huge stretch uh, by any means. But um, one of my uh, big wins of the offseason, um, or yeah, so I had uh, trading for Sean Payton as my biggest win. Um, I would say upgrading at left, and we already talked about this, but upgrading at left guard and right tackle was just huge for the team. Dalton Reisner and, um, you know, Cam Fleming didn't have the worst year last year, but that just revolving door finally ends now with uh, Mike McGlinchey. Um, just overall, those two upgrades are just huge for the team this year. Exactly what the Broncos need and for Russell Wilson to take the next step in the right direction. I agree. I mean, all, all valid points, especially upgrading uh, Don Reisner and the left guard position. I mean, we all, at least for me, I was very, very big on Don Reisner and not coming back next year and stuff like that. I know he's a, a great guy, but simply his play on the field was not it. And some, someone like Ben Powers is going to drastically improve the, the offensive line in that unit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Peyton's focus on rebuilding the line, obviously the two biggest contracts that we already argued about a little bit earlier, went to that unit. But the overhaul was nice. I'm glad it wasn't an entire rebuild because you're obviously going to have a presumed start of Bowles, Powers, Cush, Miners, uh, McGlinchey. Um, but I wish they would have added a little bit more depth there because I think if the winds shift at any point, you're just really taking a hit. And I don't think... Uh, I don't think that that's going to work out too well, but it's a solid start. I'm not mad at it. I'm just, I'm concerned about the what ifs that could happen. Yeah, exactly. And Zoe, uh, Joey brought up a really good point. Um, the starting five this year, much better than what we had last year, but the depth is much worse than we had last year. So um, it's all going to come down to injuries this year, just like it does every year. If there's injuries on the start in the starting front, we're going to see major issues, just like, you know, flashbacks to last year where, you know, Russell Wilson is basically going to be getting killed out there because you're trotting out Quinn Bailey, you're trotting out um, Luke Wattenberg, Alex Forsyth, or Forsyth, or whoever it's going to be, how the depth chart, uh, you know, shapes out. It's all going to come down to injuries. And so, uh, unfortunately, it just stands there right now. We'll see how everything comes out through training camp, who they potentially sign and bring in. Um, Jordan, what would you say is your uh, biggest win in your opinion of the offseason? I could probably, I probably think I know where you're going with this one. I mean, you know, Amir, I've been waiting. Waiting to say what my biggest win of the offseason is, and everyone should know it. It's 
retaining Jerry Judy and actually not <laughs> trading him. Keeping our best offensive player was by far the biggest win, at least in my opinion, because if we would have traded him, it would have created another hole on this offense, which was already bad last year. And I already have big expectations for Jerry Judy, but having a head coach like Sean Payton, who is a great offensive mind, is going to unlock everything that we should know or, or would already know about Jerry Judy. And he's going to have his best season yet with Peyton. And I'm just ecstatic that he is still a Bronco for years to come. And hopefully we get him extended, but that's a whole nother conversation for later. <laughs> I'm just happy that he's a Bronco and he did not get traded. Yeah, I don't want to talk about the conversation that's going to happen next year as they start deciding on what that's going to look like. But you're right. If you would have traded away Jerry Judy, there's no promises on what you would have got in uh, in the worth of the the trade. So whether or not you try to draft for the the pick that you got for him or whether you're not you're trying to to sign a new wide receiver, it just seemed like more hassle than it was necessarily worth. I know that Broncos country is still kind of torn on whether or not it would make sense to move Cortland Sutton, but I think Jerry Judy had to stay put as we see fit. It'll be interesting to see if he can continue the climb from last season. What I saw in 2022 is not enough for me to say that he is the wide receiver one of the future for the Denver Broncos. I think he made a really good case for himself in 2022, um, but I think he needs to show a lot more and consistently so in order to kind of claim that and be worth the contract that is going to follow this. A lot of teams are going to be hungry for wide receivers next year. Obviously saw that the market was a little bit thin as far as free agents were concerned. Um, so the movement there would be interesting to note, but for right now, as it presently stands, Jerry Judy is a Bronco and hopefully as the start of the season rolls out, he is too, because I think as you see Tim Patrick come back and re assimilate into Sean Payton's offense with Russell Wilson, uh, Jerry Judy needs to be there because right now he is the most reliable receiver they have. Um, so staying on the topic of wide receivers, I, I got to talk about, in my opinion, a huge like under the radar win for the Broncos this offseason. Something I thought Sean Payton did really well. I kept talking about how this wide receiver room, you know, pre-draft and pre-free agent signings was one injury away yet again from just trotting out Kendall Hinton, and Jalen Virgil as your, you know, week five starters or week six, whenever it is. Um, and he did absolutely an amazing job by boosting the wide receiver depth with the additions of Marquez Callaway and Marvin Mims Jr. this offseason. Just incredible job. I love uh, you know how the wide receiver room looks now as opposed to last year, where now this year you kind of have Jalen Virgil and uh, those guys, Brandon Johnson, whoever it is, underneath them, as opposed to the guys you're kind of looking up as the next man up uh, in case KJ Hammer goes down again or in case Jerry Judy, you know, I love Jerry Judy, uh, Jordan, you know, obviously uh, my second favorite player, but the one, the one last thing in my head that is kind of worrying me with him is the injuries. Um, last year he did only miss two games and he did battle, um, you know, the injuries throughout the whole season and played, you know, incredible season given all circumstances, quarterback play. And I commend him for that. But a uh, one last thing from him as I need to see him have like a fully healthy season, 16, 17 games, um, not be, you know, pushing through injuries the whole year. Cause that's the one thing that's kind on my mind but overall just the wide receiver room getting Marquez Callaway still in my opinion are probably our most underrated free agent signing um that move was just huge I feel like the the last we saw him you know being coached and uh playing under Sean Payton he was putting up really really good numbers being their wide receiver uh one and he could step in and add an element that the Broncos potentially need kind of bring in that route running ability but also being someone to stretch the field at the same time I think uh, Marquez Callaway is a really good sign for the Broncos and overall 
just boosts boosts that depth, and that's what exactly what they needed. Yeah, and, and I know Amir, and he does, he, Judy has been injured, and he has to get over the injury bug and whatnot. But I'm just, you know, again, I, hopefully, if he stays healthy, he can show, you know, his true potential and stuff. But I would like to also add another win, and it may be a little surprising, or not a little, it might be surprising to everyone. Uh, I, I actually liked acquiring a Jerry Stidham as the backup quarterback uh, because if Russell Wilson, you know, does get concussed like he how he did against the Chiefs at home. And we had to rely on someone like Brett Rippon and something like that. I just think Jerry Stenham is more of a, a reliable backup quarterback. I think, you know, he's an upgrade from last year and years before. So I think acquiring Jerry Stenham and just to learn Payne's system and stuff like that, I think it will be a bigger win than what people might expect. But, again, hopefully we don't even have to get to that point. But just in case, I think Stenham is a good insurance plan. I've had really high praise for Brett Rippon in the past. So when he departed the team, I was obviously fairly sad about it. But I think you're right, Jordan, with Stidham coming in, obviously signing a couple of backup quarterbacks that will compete for the 53-man roster, including Jarrett uh, Guarantano and then Ben DiNucci with the new news today. So it's an interesting thing to consider when Russell Wilson hasn't been able to be healthy through the last season either or the seasons previously. There is a strong possibility that it's some point the aging QB does go down with an injury and the Broncos will need somebody to step in and carry out that momentum in the same scheme. I think it's a great signing. I think it makes a lot of sense for a trustworthy backup who who's able not to not only be serviceable uh, in this offense, but is able to actually make some pretty splashy plays looking forward to not necessarily seeing them out on the field. I want Russell Wilson to maintain his health throughout the 17 game schedule, but knowing that they could step in, even if he's got to, I don't know, readjust a pad or whatnot, and he can go in for a play and uh, roll out the the scheme as Peyton sees fit is a really um, it, it, it lightens my breath a little bit because backup quarterbacks don't take be take they're not taken seriously in this league as much as they should be. We shot saw the shift here in the NFL draft where QBs brought in specifically as backups really took over. And I think it's it's prime time to uh, to do that. I'm glad the Broncos didn't use one of their picks. Obviously, uh, didn't try to target any of those, but it is an important role, especially with teams in a very uh, uh, unintentional spot of increased injuries for quarterbacks. So definitely agree there that that's a win. Um, Bree, we skipped over you like three times. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> what, are, what are your wins? What are your wins of the Broncos offseason and how you feel about that, um, the, how, how they address the team so far? I didn't feel skipped over whatsoever. So thanks for coming back to me. I was just having fun with the conversation, but anyone who's watched anything that I've ever done is going to know that my win for the Denver Broncos is an absolute no brainer Broncos country. Do not come at me chirping about age, all that nonsense, because one more year for Kareem Jackson, 14th season in the NFL, Captain Jack is back. I got to say, arguably one of my favorite players here goes a lot deeper than what just K-Jack can bring to the field. I've gotten to personally speak to two separate players just about what his mentorship and leadership on and off the field has meant to them. You've seen it increase the ability of the new incoming safeties to just be able to flourish under his. I would say nourishment. So the nothing but admirable things to say about Kareem Jackson. I'm not asking for him to get the start over Caden Stearns. I think there's an opportunity for Stearns and Locke and Skinner, who arguably plays a lot like Jackson to learn from his talents. But I think it goes further than that. And so I'm glad both sides could come to an agreement here. You got a longstanding veteran 
gets along with the team, is a co-captain, and has been able to play opposite Justin Simmons and make a real impact on the defense in the secondary. I'm ecstatic about it. I, again, if you come at me with the age thing, I'm people are catching hands. But I think it's important to note that he came in necessarily for depth, and the guy can still ball. I understand that in pass pro, he has slowed down a little bit. However, he is still very versatile in the run, and you got to use that. You have to use what you have. You have to play him to his strengths. I think it's just really important to keep Kareem Jackson around for as long as humanly possible because if you can have a, a player's coach type mentality on the field, which he's done, he's nurtured so many young players, continue on that. So, you know, pay him the $2.7 million. I'm fine with it. But Breeze, 35 years old. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I will leave the show, Amir. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, PJ Locke, um, lots of players in that secondary have just raved about the kind of person he is and player on the field, what he's meant to their game and being able to learn so many things from him just from the ins and outs. And uh, it would be very um, you know, hypocritical of me to say that you can't make this move just because of Caden Stearns. But at the same time, I just mentioned, you know, you can't have too many wide receivers because of injuries. You can't have too many DBs because of injuries. We've seen it in this in this uh, secondary. So you got to have that same um, kind of logic there, essentially, even if it's on the defensive side of the ball. It doesn't matter. So we've seen the injury concerns with Caden Stearns. Uh, Kareem Jackson, we brought this up on the show. Credit to Mike Cliss for finding this. I didn't even know this. He played like all of about five defensive snaps last year, the most out of uh, anyone yeah. on this team. It was like 39 more than uh, Sertan or something like that. Like absolutely unreal. The contribution is there. The health is there despite his age. So if you're using age as an argument, that's just completely irrelevant and, you know, empty-minded empty at this point. He plays good ball uh, considering everything, and the fact that he was always out on the field last year, if you consider last year to be like a, a really bad year for him is because the defense is like on the field more than the offense was. So um, yeah. definitely a time something of possession to at 29 minutes and 57 seconds, and you're telling me that's like you run down, you're slow, you're 35 years old. I get that, but he played uh, 1,139 snaps last season. That's incredible. It is also a career high for him, and then 94 tackles. I just don't see how you can tell me, oh, he slows down a little bit and he misses an assignment. Every every defensive back misses an assignment. Everyone gets burned once in a while. Rookies, veterans, the elite. But if you're telling me that you are just going to somehow write him off because of his age the slowdown to me doesn't concern me and i hope zach seegers is listening because that is directed directly at him <laughs> <laughs> oh man so uh jordan do you have any uh final wins uh for the broncos offseason man i just like the passion that Bree brings when talking about cream jackson kind of reminds me of the, you know jerry judy and me defending him all the time this episode the passion awesome uh, my big, my last win uh, for the team has to be just revamping the special teams. That was like one of the right there with the offense. It was like I wouldn't say just as bad, but it was like really, really bad. Um, Dwayne Stukes also got fired around the uh, the same time as Nathaniel Hackin, deservingly so. Um, the additions of Mike Westhoff, um, just incredible. One of the all time greats on that side in that phase of the um in the NFL. Uh, acquiring Ben Kotwika. Um, I still have a little bit of questions with him, but pairing him with Mike Westhoff. Off. Can you really complain too much there? Um, then you have uh, corner Tremont Smith. Great addition. Absolutely 
really, really under under the radar addition. I think he's going to be great for the special teams. Um, Riley Dixon, automatic upgrade at punter, bringing him back to the mile high. And then also another one, Lil Jordan Humphrey. Do not be surprised if he makes the roster just because of his special teams ability. We saw it last year in New England. Incredible special teams player. Do not be surprised with his past experience with Sean Payne that he is one of those guys that makes the roster simply because his ability to not only stay healthy, but also uh, have an incredible impact on the special teams. I think they did an incredible, incredible job. I can't get it, give it up enough and applaud uh, to the front office and Sean Payne for how they revamped the special teams this offseason. Really, really underrated. I would kind of to agree. I mean, we've been under so much, you know, scrutiny with our special teams and always being dead last and stuff like that. And it looks like our special teams have upgraded. You know, we still have to, you know, see how it plays out on the field. But at least on paper, I mean, we for sure upgraded in that position and I'll count that as a win for sure. I have nothing to disagree with there. I think that there was a strong issue with the special teams unit for a couple of years. I'm I'm sick of them, the muffed misses, muff pump, everything, everything that goes along with all those silly mistakes, running into your own player. Um, I, I just don't want to see any of it. That's a miscommunication thing. That's a non-connection thing. That is a coach not taking their players and setting them up for success thing. So hopefully the talent that's being brought in, you also obviously spoke about Mims coming in possibly as a replacement for Montreal Washington. That experiment didn't seem to work out. I love Montreal. I hope he gets another uh, chance at a competition in training camp should really isolate what the issues were there. Tremendous athletes, really excited to see if you can make everything click, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link. And I would say that special teams happen to be one of the weakest links for the past couple of years. Seems like it's all coming together now, but I am too far removed from last season to not be an optimist right now. So you're just going to see smiles for me until I'm proven otherwise, which um sort of brings me to my final win, which we didn't talk about it, but you did mention it in there can never be enough defensive backs. So I think the additions of Riley Moss and JL Skinner, because I'm a sucker for the secondary, absolutely love them because here you have the depth. You can always rely on there being a thorn in the side of the Denver Broncos. And that's in injuries specifically to that key core group of individuals really excited. And I don't care about positional value right now. I'm really excited about Riley Moss, the player overcoming the adversity that he did at Iowa. The fans couldn't care for him. They wanted him off the field comes in, has an amazing game, two pick sixes. Uh, and then nobody can stop talking about him. He's a fan favorite. Everyone recalls him as one of the yeah. best to ever do it. And he's so versatile, just a big player, big energy, big confidence level, which has allowed him to come in and kind of make his dreams come true. Relatively small, unknown, and set up to fail every single step of the way. Started off on a B team in, in his school and, and wasn't really able to have a whole lot of trust in his ability to play the position. And for the love of God, if anybody asks how it feels to be a white corner, I'm coming at you. It's a dumb question. We're past that. It has nothing to do with the player that Riley Moss is, and I'm I'm done with it. So that is a specific call out too. We'll clip that and post that as well because it's if you can play ball, if you can play the position, go out there and do it. And I don't want to see any more. This is why Sean Payton has a blackout on the media because they ask stupid questions like that that detract from getting a steal in Riley Moss round three, pick eighty three, and then you're. You, you're just, it just, it drives me crazy. And I'm trying to calm myself down. Uh, rookies and veterans get, get beat at some point. And I know that some of the concerns with Riley is that he can kind of lose the progression. He can kind of get uh, distracted or tricked. I said it earlier with Kareem Jackson. 
every defensive back is going to have those moments about the patience of allowing someone to overcome their adversity to make themselves a better player. I believe in this kid and you should too. The other one, obviously being JL Skinner, sorry to take up so much time. I did a lot of prep. I was really excited about this because he was a tremendous steal, obviously scouted to go in the third round, didn't end up getting picked until the sixth. Obviously that torn pet comes into play, but can play looks a lot like Kareem Jackson out there hard hitting downhill hits can fly across field I'm really excited about it and I think the time to step up will come I don't know if he's going to start probably special teams is a good spot for Skinner to start length and ability you're gonna see him kind of make quarterbacks life hell and that's what I'm really excited to see because you've got the safety depth you've got locked ETY uh, you have so many players you can choose from here where is Skinner going to excel and where do you get the best out of the player that's what i'm excited to see the tape and the film it's all fun and everything but when you get them up to nfl speed those two players are going to be so very special and i believe it in my heart of hearts so if you didn't listen to me last year when i was saying the same thing about greg dulcich then listen to me right now about riley moss and jl skinner because these are the guys you want to watch out for yeah emotion emotions are definitely uh, flying high right now um seems like it took a bit of a shot at obviously those of you guys that uh, don't know there's like a question in the media i think it was uh, yesterday someone asked uh, riley moss about being a white corner and he gave a hilarious sp- response to that don't know why you're asking that as a member you know pr- like professional you know member of your a, a job like that and you're asking a question like that i just don't understand it but riley moss is a good sport had a really good, a funny answer to that and uh sean payne obviously tying that in sean payne uh, said that he was giving like a 50 dollars gift card to the player who had the most generic answer that, that that's just amazing there and like a sneaky shot at the media um you really bring up a good point like no wonder he's giving us less uh media availability and less time to like look at the uh, have uh media available at these uh practices and the mini camp and all that and be, not being able to interview players like i've said it on the show before i missed out on some players and player interviews on this show simply because sean payton isn't allowing them to really speak to anybody right now and it's it's the media has to do with it. We're a part of the media. Some people just kind of ruin it for all. That's just that kind of the, you know, that's the name of the game, I guess. Um, but yeah, that wraps up uh, all of our biggest wins and losses. Um, I know we talked a little bit about Ben DiNucci. I want to get your thoughts on uh, him real quick. What do you think about uh, Mr. Brandon Perner likes to call him the Gucci DiNucci. What do you think about <laughs> our uh, new quarterback three on the roster now? I mean, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, you know, he's not, he's not bad at all. I don't know if, I mean, you guys can tell me more. Is he going to be more of a practice squad type of guy, or is he? I'm thinking so. Yeah, practice squad. So yeah, I mean, it, you know, always having quarterbacks. You know, we don't want to be in San Francisco spot when injury after injury happens, then we have to get all the way down that line. But I mean, if Sean Payne likes, it, I know he also threw threw a jab at uh, Ben DiNucci with uh, Walmart and stuff like that. That was pretty. That funny. was hilarious. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I like it, and hopefully, you know, it pays off in some sense. Listen, a seventh round pick, former uh, Cowboys quarterback, Seattle Sea Dragons. He lit it over there. He lit it up over there. So what was exciting about Danucci is that he's been able to take all of his uh, not even shortcomings. Listen, you're basically out of the league. You go and you have a big season in the XFL, which specifically was kind of made to make this bridge for players to continue their football dreams and careers. 
hell yeah, bring him on, put him on the practice uh, squad, see if he can compete. We'll see how he performs in preseason because that'll be the interesting turn and whether he ekes out Jarrett Stidham. I think Stidham just has a lot more of what's been readily available in the NFL lately, but I wouldn't be shocked if he impresses. He impressed enough that they were signing him onto the team just after uh, you know a little bit of pre-OTA work. So I'm really excited about it just because it shows that they're not afraid to kind of retain some of that talent and give them a shot. Sean Payton kind of alluded to it earlier of saying, I'm not going to let people walk and have them go excel on another team. Um, even if that's a backup quarterback, we know that it is a possibility that Russell Wilson could go down or there might come a time where he's no longer on the team. You need a backup that's not just serviceable, but can go out there and win you games. So I, I'm looking forward to it. And I do love that Perna just absolutely uh, kind of just loves saying his name because I just get nooch stuck in my head and <laughs> I, I don't think I want to go in the other direction, but I might try it out just for fun. <laughs> Brandon, yeah, I, this is like probably one of the greatest days of Brandon Perna's life. He's he's been on like the whole funniest NFL players' names for a while, and uh, Ben DiNucci was definitely one of those. And the fact that he ends up with the Broncos, well, whatever, what a whole uh, turn of events for him. But um, yeah, Ben DiNucci, I see him more as like a, kind of like an emergency type quarterback for the Broncos this year. Um, he'll probably w- ride the pack, uh, practice squad all seventeen games um, and be kind of that guy that's elevated on game day. Uh, that's kind of what I see for him. I'm not the biggest Ben DiNucci guy by any means he kind of has uh, a little bit of an in it like a i wouldn't say it's a huge issue but he does have inter- uh, issues with like interceptions you we saw in the xfl um i believe he was like up there leading the, the league somewhere around uh, leading the league in uh, interceptions um he, he was a little, a little bit of a standout according to a lot of people um i would have to watch more on him you know what he did recently with the uh, seattle sea dragons uh but just just where he is at qb3 i'm not gonna you know wave you know, waver too much about it. This was actually one of the topics I was going to, you know, going to bring up, you know, uh, days leading up to this episode was uh, the fact that we, like we didn't address QB three after losing, you know, you mentioned Brett Rippon to the, to Los Angeles Rams. And uh, so, uh, signing uh, Ben DiNucci essentially, uh, you know, covers that and fixes that hole. Um, I would have liked to maybe see someone else, but you know, given the options, I'm not too uh, too much against it. And I can't, you know. I can't say too much about it because, you know, we were just talking about the limited media availability. We haven't seen like anything um, about any kind of plays in minicamp. Literally all we saw was the pick six on Drew Sanders. And when I posted on Instagram today, everybody was like, oh, yeah, an impressive camp. Why are they signing him? This makes no sense. You're judging that off of one play you heard in the media and you literally were not there watching any of the plays like. Let's let's be real here. So I'm that's why I'm just gonna sit back and if Sean Payton believes in the guy and he doesn't think he needs to go be a greeter at Walmart, then let, let's bring him on the roster. So <laughs> it works, right? Yeah, I think we're all in the dark there. It makes me a little bit itchy, but it's also taught me about you know not only do we need to temper expectations for this upcoming season, but we need to have a little bit of patience. We can speculate away all we want, but the less information we're given to kind of run rampant with. This is what we're left with. We're breaking yeah. down exactly what we know, but it is kind of fun when you're starved for clips and that uh, pick six comes through. So I was excited to see that. Yeah. Well, uh, Bree, thank you so much for uh, being on today's episode. It was a joy having you on. Um, continue killing it over there on Let's Talk Broncos, Mile High Sports, uh, the Fan Cave. Incredible host. Um, just overall, just you leading uh you know being obviously uh, that host over there on the show you have a great voice and the way the conversation flows and everything just want to say um you're great at what you do uh having you on today's episode definitely added a really cool element to the conversation and uh, as always uh, like i mentioned just keep killing it thanks for uh, being on today's show 
thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. We'll have to do it again sometime. Of course. Um, well, yeah, that is it for today's episode. If you guys are listening on YouTube, make sure you guys hit the like button and subscribe. If you guys are listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you guys go hit uh, hit the follow button and leave a five-star rating. Let us know what you guys thought about the show. If you guys are on YouTube, make sure you guys leave a comment or DM me on Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you guys uh, go DM Jordan on Twitter if you guys want to let him know feedback. Um, I believe it's uh, J14Lopez. I uh, changed it. Jordan T. Lopez. I had to change the numbers out of there, man. I had to change it. I had to be a little bit more professional, at least. And then, I, uh, Bree, uh, you want to let them know your Twitter, where they can find you and all your work? Yeah, absolutely. Please go follow me on Twitter, BreeMaces303. Don't DM me like the instructions from the other two. But you can go ahead and tweet at me over there if you'd like to talk a little bit of Broncos football. You can also listen to me on Mondays for the Fan Cave, 1 to 2 p.m. for Mile High Sports. Mile High Sports' very own Let's Talk Broncos podcast. We come at you every weeknight, 6 p.m. right now. We're Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays for a special draft episode with Joey Richards and Frankie Abbott. And then every once in a while, I get to fill in for the great people over at KOA for Broncos Country Tonight, where you can listen to me on the radio. So if you're not sick of my voice yet, please go look at all of my stuff over there. And I really appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Of course. Uh, definitely have to have you back on. Thank you for being on today's show. Hope you guys, uh, everybody listening, enjoyed today's episode. I'm your host, Amir, with my co-host, Jordan Lopez, and today's amazing guest, Bree Macis. Till the next episode, peace.